good morning. Thank you for joining us by live stream. This morning we're going to continue in our series, Lies That We Tell Ourselves. And before we do, we're going to pose a question for you and then encourage you to interact with us. And the way that you do that is by texting us at 720-878-3323 or in the chat window right there in the viewer that you're using to view this service right now. You have a chat window. It asks you to put in your name. You can make one up if you'd like to and go ahead and approve the little uh, disclaimer there and then you'll be able to actively chat with us, all right? We're monitoring the chat window and we are receiving your text messages, all right? We're going to pose the question here. The fear I struggle with most is, all right? The fear I struggle with most is, how would you answer that? And then sort of as a follow-up to it, it's better when I do this. What do you do to mitigate that fear? It's a little better or it gets better when I do this. What is that something you do? Don't worry. Okay. It's not a problem. Okay. You're the one that has to deal with it. <laughs> 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 for those of you who don't know, he sent me looking for mints. So apparently I have to deal with his breath. That's right. <laughs> okay, the big question. The okay, fear, we got the question out. Fear I struggle with most is... Oops, right. I better get my... Phone. So raise your hand if you're in the sanctuary here and bring me down just a little bit. Does anybody want to, uh, anybody want to admit what fear or they Lee struggle Or Lee or whoever can do this. <laughs> Lee, feel free to jump in there if you want to... Uh, okay. We post a question, go ahead and respond, text us your answers, chat with us via the chat window, however you'd like to do it. Uh, that my body physically won't hold up mm. to be able to do, to make my financial means uh, last or whatever. I, I don't know, I don't know what to wow. put it, but. Very, very real fear, yeah, yeah. especially as we yeah. age. Yeah. And we realize that maybe the job we're in might, right now might be the last job we ever get, <laughs> right? I mean, we're, not, we're probably not going to go into another career. You know, if you're in your, say, late 50s, 60s, you're probably not starting a new career. Uh, this might be my last job. So, you know, is my body, is my job going to hold out? That's a really relevant fear. Who else? And I am watching, so do y'all know seven, I think everybody watching probably knows 720-878-3323. If you want to text an answer. Anybody in here? Let's see, the question isn't up there, but the question again is... We can keep the question up in a picture-in-picture picture probably. It's the, up there. Yeah, okay. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, there it is. The fear I struggle with most is, and it's better when I do this. Anybody? Anybody? I don't know what my greatest fear is. I don't think I want to think about a greatest fear. Hmm. I think I probably try not to think about greatest fears. Yeah, we got a hand up over here. Okay. I think that my greatest fear is 
health and whether or not, uh, and it, it's better when I do this, there's no better. <laughs> right now it's, it's just struggling to know that I'm going to be healthy enough to live long and prosper. Yeah, very much like health. what Brad was saying, yeah. Well, don't they say even in our community, be sure to look around, hon, because we've got a couple of hands up Oh, there. I'm so sorry. I was looking, checking these messages. I'm so sorry. So the fear I deal with the most is failure. And I think to compensate for that, I try to be perfect. Just everything has to be perfect. Yeah. 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 And I have to be in control. <laughs> <laughs> that would go along with that sense of I that's, don't want to be a failure. That's, yeah. that's next week. I've got to control everything. <laughs> We're right. Talking right. about that one. <laughs> Mine is kind of, I don't know what my greatest fear is. I have several probably. <laughs> but the second half of the question that says, or you feel better if you... If I can stop myself and really pray for the peace that surpasses all understanding, that helps. Mm. If I can get myself to take yeah, that step. Yeah, really good. To take that, yeah, to go, okay, wait a minute, I need to stop and do that. Yeah. 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 But sometimes the fear is so going on yeah. and on and on, it's like, how do you break free of that to go over to that other place? Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. So sometimes it's kind of like if I can make myself go, wait a minute, just pray for that peace. Yeah. I'm going to take somebody from the chat um, at this point since we've been entertaining several here. Really, really good and honest. Thank you. I, I wasn't sure if people were going to feel comfortable being transparent with this one. So I have from the whips uh, the fear of letting other people down. Yeah. I think we know who the whips are, right? I know who the whips are. Do you yeah, all know who the whips know. are? <laughs> Yeah. The Whipples, yeah, yeah. our the, kids. Our, our kids, the Whipples, who are watching remotely. The fear of letting other people down, okay? And then they say, it gets better when I accept who I am in Christ. Really good. Really good, which really goes along, I think, a lot, uh, Vicki, with what you said. Because if we stop and we center ourselves... Maybe quote, quote a verse to remind ourselves of his, of his presence, his peace, his goodness, his grace. We center in that and we say, mm, he's got my back. So I find this, and, and so Jim, being a psychologist, I would like to, isn't there a part of your brain sometimes that takes over in, in fear kind of thing? So Here's one of the fear of my house burning down. This is our daughter. Fear of my house burning down. She says, I check my plugs a million times. And you kind of go, well, isn't that a little bit of an inordinate fear? So, you know, sometimes we look at somebody's fear, somebody else's fear. And, and, but isn't there something that goes on in the brain that kind of grabs and it's kind of like, how do you, I don't know. Yeah. Can you speak to that for a minute? How do you mitigate that one? Well, fear is an emotion, and emotions don't have to make sense. So it's, it's understandable that some fears are going to be something that you can't cognitively say, this is rational, it's just a fear. Okay. They come out of nowhere sometimes, or sometimes they have a history. You know where they came from. You can go back to a point in time and say, this is where I developed that fear. Uh -huh. And sometimes you just never find that. Well, that, that's very interesting. It doesn't have to make sense. Hmm. So sometimes when we see somebody else's fear and we go, oh, come on. 
but it doesn't necessarily have to make sense. Thank really you. Really good. Thank you. Did I see? <laughs> yeah, most of the time it doesn't make sense, right? Sometimes it does. Did I see another hand? I have another one okay. in the chat okay. window. Cheryl says that my daughter may never walk again. And we know Cheryl, and we're praying for you, Cheryl. We do know Cheryl, and everybody may not be familiar, but her, her daughter um, recently wound up in the hospital in a very serious situation. And uh, during the surgery, um, some things, functionality and mobility and so forth were, were lost and uh, jeopardized her walking, jeopardized at one point her even having life again. They did were successful in bringing her back from a, a place of, of, I mean, she had died on the table, I think. Yes, she did. So, uh, oh my goodness, what a ride this has been. And Cheryl, um, you're watching, you're listening. Thank you. And we're praying. You know we've been praying for your daughter, Teague. And she's, I, I, I just, I'm not speaking prophetically. I'm speaking uh, out of a place of hope and confidence and peace. She's going to walk again. We're going to stand with we you for a miracle. We just ask God for a miracle that she walk again. Jesus, okay, for your precious daughter. Yeah. And we all agree. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yeah. And Jim, you need to be sure we have some business cards. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm like. That's not a bad, a bad am I, idea. Am I teaching this morning? Is there, a, <laughs> could we just have Jim come up and address? <laughs> the topic of fear. Yeah, no, this is so good. Yeah. Um, so Mary says, the fear I struggle with is being alone. So what does she do about it? I reach out to others even when I don't want to. Mm. And then uh, Jeff says, wow, Jeff. <laughs> My health condition will not change. His fear is that his health condition will not change. Okay, this is even hard for me to say, Jeff and that I'm just a waste of space right now. We love you, man. We haven't seen Jeff since October. And uh, he's been struggling with some things that the doctors just haven't been able to uh, resolve. And uh, they're just doing their best and they're taking every shot at it that they can. But um, very idea that you are wasting space it just goes to the core the very core of this series and I hope something that I say today uh, that will be meaningful to you my brother so everybody on this live stream and everybody in this sanctuary right now is putting their arms around you okay and we love you you are so vital and so important. And you are a dear brother. And you've been such a part of our lives and this church for so many years. And we're believing that you too. All right. The woman who had the issue of blood, uh, the scripture says, and you're familiar with the story, Jeff, had spent all she had on medical advice and medicine and got no better. Scripture says, and grew worse. Got no better, grew worse. And then she heard, Scripture says, and then she heard about Jesus. He was itinerating and coming through town. And she said, here's what 
The scripture says, and she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And you know the story, Jeff. She pressed through the crowd when she otherwise shouldn't have been able to get to Jesus. And she reached and she touched. I want you to reach and touch. And I want you to be sure that you keep in your mouth the hope. Keep hope alive by the words you're saying. All right? We're not condemning you or saying, oh, you shouldn't be speaking this. Not coming from that place at all. What I want you to do is keep hope alive. Keep the miracle that's coming to you alive by being, keeping it in your mouth as well. All right? And by the way, <clears throat> in our house, there's a gift for you that someone is sending. And I'll give you a hint. WrestleMania. <laughs> okay. Lewis says, my greatest fear is uh, not living up to my potential that God placed in me. And it's better when I walk by faith and not allow my own mind to override what I need to do for him. Mm. Boy, people are, are preaching my message this morning from a hundred different angles. It's good. Um, okay. I, I didn't give you Jeff's answer. He says, what I do, he says, I pray and I talk to people. Mm. And that's a big part of... Big part. That's a big part of anything in our... Getting that thing that circles around and around and around in our head, isn't it? Is to stop and get it out on paper, out our mouth, talk to someone, pray it out. Probably a combination of those things. Yes, Jim, I'm looking to you for yes. <laughs> and and there's, a, there's, a, there's something that gets released as we... Uh, it doesn't necessarily solve all the problem, but it takes, it helps us get through the moment to get to the next, next answer we yeah, need. So, so good. Thank you, everybody, yeah. for these great responses and for those of you watching via the live stream. Really great to have you on. I want to talk to you this morning about the lie of fear. That's, that's where the enemy of our soul uses our imagination to get us to believe something other than who we are inside and what God has promised to us in his word. My text this morning is taken from Hebrews, and so if you are turning or you're getting your device out and you're looking there, if you would, go to the second chapter of Hebrews. Fear may be the single greatest demonic force in the earth. Now, hate is right up there with it, but I believe a lot of hatred stems from fear because people are in fear. Fear about their future, fear that they're not enough, not good enough, fear about all kinds of things, and, and then I, I think they're bosom buddies for sure. <clears throat> fear will absolutely ruin your life. Fear will kill. And when we look at this verse here that we're about to read, you'll see that fear has the ability to 
literally enslave us and keep us from being the people that we should be and enjoying the life that we should have. Fear enslaves. And I declare to you this morning that God's purpose in your life is to deliver you from fear so that you can live the life that you were meant to live. That is his will, that is his purpose. Hebrews chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Imagine that, being enslaved by fear. Now, this says fear of death, and you might say, well, I'm not sure really that I have a fear of death. I've not really consciously thought too much about death. I'm not really afraid of dying. Well, you're going to see here as we continue to read that he's talking about something other than the physical end of life. But what I want you to see here in this opening verse is that it says, through the fear of death, through fear, you can be put into slavery. I don't identify with slavery. I come from a place of privilege. Oh, that doesn't mean uh, money. That means that I come from a place where I have never in my youth or in my being an adult experienced hatred and disdain and being dismissed because of the color of my skin or the weave of my hair or who I was born to in terms of my parents or anything like that. I, I don't know slavery. I, I, I don't identify with somebody who has lost control of everything in their life because they must surrender to somebody else or something else. Their life is no longer their own. I, I, I don't know that, but I can identify with being so oppressed spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, that you have lost control. Here's what Francois says in his mirror translation of verse 14. He thus disengaged to render entirely useless the dominion of death that trapped the human race in a fallen mindset. That's so important that we realize this morning. Fear takes over your mind. Emotions aren't bad or good. They're not real or not real. They're real, but I'm saying, all right, they're part of our mind. Jim, how did you say that? Emotions are... They don't make sense. That's what you said. 
Emotions don't make sense. And Francois says in verse 14, Jesus disengaged the dominion of death that trapped us in a fallen mindset. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to think about the end of life when we're talking about death. I want you to think about a mindset. I want you to think about a way of thinking where you're living under the control of something outside of yourself that we'll just call evil. Now, it doesn't need to be demonic oppression, but it doesn't need to be demonic even. It, it might be demonic, it might go that far, but it might be your own self-talk, talking to yourself negatively about your circumstances, constantly speaking negatively about your circumstances. Now, why is this idea of a fallen mindset so important? That Jesus would come and set us free from the slavery of a fallen mindset. I just want to prove to you that that interpretation of Francois in the mirror translation it, it, it is not far-fetched, all right? So here's what we read in Paul's writing in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled, watch this, in the body of his flesh. So in verse 14 of Hebrews 2, we read that through death, he conquered this fear. And in Colossians, he says that he reconciles us through the body of his flesh. Did Jesus need to die? Absolutely. And what happened when he died? He reconciled us through the death of his flesh. Now, here's verse 15 from the Mirror Translation. As a fellow human, Jesus redefined death and delivered us from the lifelong dread of death. He redefined it. Death now is just a passing on. Death now is a graduation into something far better. I don't not only not fear death, I don't fear anything that comes or stems from death, including fear. Fear is a lie. Yes, it captures our emotions, all right? And emotions are not honest, and emotions can't be taken for real, the real, they're not speaking the truth to us. But Jesus comes, and regardless of the fallenness of our thinking or our mindset, he reconciles us to God. He brings final closure to the idea of judgment. He brings final closure he deals with the system of works and legalism and that there's something I have to do or someone I have to be. He deals with all of that. He brings it to God for us and he reconciles us to God and he delivers us from that slavery. Now watch this. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. There is no fear in love. 
But perfect love casts out fear. Watch this. For fear has to do with punishment. Everybody say punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Interesting now. We have three key components being tied together. When we talk about fear, we're talking about something that enslaves. Secondly, we're talking about that Jesus gave his body to deliver us from this. And then next, we're talking about it living in the area of your mind, your thoughts. Fear is a lie. Jesus gave his body to set you free of it. And the primary component of fear is a sense of punishment. Isn't that interesting? I want to talk to you about two different things having to do specifically with fear. Punishment and sin consciousness. Let's deal first with punishment because it's, it's, so, it's so culturally, it's so evangelically acceptable to combine punishment with the Christian message today. And Jesus' radical message of love was the brilliant repudiation of the cultural and religious teaching of legal requirement and penal substitution. When Jesus walked on the earth, everything he came into contact, everyone he came into contact with, lived under a fear of being punished by God if they didn't do the right things, if they weren't obedient, if they didn't live up to what God required. It was called, help me out, the law, right? Remember? The old covenant law, the law of Moses. Now, Bible students know that in the new covenant, the word is, is that we've been set free from the condemnation of the law. But if we are living in fear, we are living under the law. Fear takes advantage of the law and brings back around that our relationship with God is based on obedience and punishment. Obedience and punishment. If you do this, I'll reward you in this way. But if you do this, I will punish you in this way. And that is the relationship with God that so many Christians have. It's a relationship of reward and punishment. And Jesus came and gave his body to set us free from the slavery of fear. And what is fear? Fear speaks of punishment. Fear takes advantage of your feelings, your thoughts, your being, and says, you deserve punishment because you're not pleasing to God. You're outside of God's will. You didn't pray today. You didn't go to church in the past couple of months. You haven't been to church. You this, you that, and it focuses on you like you are the center of God's purpose and grace in terms of that it's you that qualifies you and he makes it all about you 
instead of being all about Jesus. Jesus' radical message of love repudiated everything to do with punishment. So the fear of judgment, the fear of being punished, subjects us to slavery. Always attempting to appease, always having to do better, to be better, always concerned with the need to win God's approval. I don't know how many times I'm in a conversation with somebody and once they find out I'm a minister, the conversation switches just a little bit and they start talking about things like this. Well, I pray every day. I had somebody just recently this week. I was in a conversation. We were just talking about things and they found out I was a minister and they had to assure me which means they had to be sure that they were assuring God, I pray twice a day. When I get up, I pray, and when I go to bed, I pray. And I so wanted to say, so what? But I couldn't say that because I couldn't find the right way to say that because you don't say that to somebody, right? You gotta find a way to add that that's not what God's looking at. How much you pray, when you pray, how long you pray, whether you prayed on your knees, whether your hands were folded, whether you did it in the morning or the afternoon or the evening, God doesn't care from the standpoint that it doesn't change his absolute love and fondness for you. God is crazy about you. God's so fond of you. God loves you. And nothing you can do will make a difference in how much he loves you. Nothing. So we're always concerned with the need to win God's approval. Or else it's as if God's saying, I love humanity so deeply, so profoundly, that I'm willing to give my son, but if you don't accept him, and you don't do it in the way prescribed by religion, I'll torment you in hell for eternity. See that punishment component? And so into our mind comes, in the back of our mind, a punishment that we're not measuring up and that God is an angry God and a punishing God and that restitution needs to be made and penal substitution comes into play. And so all of our life then, we start relating to and responding to everything in life out of, I need to do better. I need to be better. I should have done this. I experienced a little bit of that yesterday. Lee and Jill know there was a funeral here and I was asked to help with the sound equipment. Man, was I showing my age. I must have missed at least three key things on the sound equipment. I started a video when it shouldn't have been started. They were singing a hymn and I was stuck on the first verse and didn't go to the next one. My wife is sitting in the chair next to me and bumps me, the next one. I'm going, God, where is it? (laughs) I'm thinking. I mean, if, if if I was given to cursing, I just felt like cursing because I thought, 
I am so stupid. People expect me back there. A couple people turned around when I didn't the next, the next verse. You know how that is, right? Jeff Peter's laughing at home, Peter laughing at, home at me. <laughs> but I rehearse that. Now, watch. Here's what happens. I rehearsed that again and again and again as I left, as I stopped and got my hamburger. Nina was off with a girlfriend. When I got home, getting out of my car, I was rehearsing what I had not done, what I had done wrong, I could have done it better. Gee, some people turned around and looked at me and, come on, hello, you're the sound guy. Oh, and aren't you that Pastor Jeff from Genesis? And I just rehearsed these things, on and on it went. I became a slave. See, now, this is light and, and a point of laughter, jivality, is that a word? But you take that now and you bring that process into something serious like your health where you can't get up off the floor and you can't come to church because you can't sit in the chair. And for months, all you want to do is help and all you want to do is serve. And you can't even shower. And you rehearse it again and again and again. And pretty soon you start telling yourself, I'm just taking up space. I need to get off of this planet. Do you see what he's talking about here? Do you see why Jesus giving his body to absolutely conquer fear was so important? Because fear at its very root is nothing more than the wicked voice telling you, you deserve punishment. You're not good enough. You don't measure. And you need to be something different. Jesus was not put to death by God as a sacrifice for sin. Rather, he experienced the death of all mankind that he might crush the power of death and condemn sin in his body. I want you to listen to this now. Do we have that on screen? Thank you so much. Watch this. I'm going to read it again. He was not put to death by God as a sacrifice for sin. Rather, he experienced the death of all mankind that he might crush the power of death and condemn sin in his body. Then God elevated him back to his place in glory. In this, Christ is not only an example for us, he is an example of us because we were co-crucified, co-buried, and co-raised with Jesus Christ. You see, the scandal and beauty of the cross is this. God doesn't demand a blood sacrifice that alters his approach and thoughts about us. It was all done to change our mind about him. Need I remind you of the previous verse in Colossians? That the alienation that 
we felt and that we have always been taught as evangelicals. You are separated from God by a chasm and God's up here in his holiness and you're down here in your wickedness and undeservedness and, and, and your, your puniness and your, your wickedness and all that you are and all that you lack and, and, and there's this great gulf and this great divide. Paul says, yeah, you were alienated in your minds not God's. God loves you perfectly just the way you are. God loves you. And he provided Jesus as the sacrifice of himself. God died. I don't know if you can, can you say that? Can you muster those words? Are you, can, are, will your emotions, will your psyche allow you to say God died on a cross for me? so that he might destroy the power of fear and rid me of a consciousness that's constantly telling me, I don't measure up, I'm not enough, I, I, I have to do more, I have to be more. Now I told you we we're gonna talk about two things when it came to fear. We we're gonna talk about punishment. Let's talk about sin consciousness. What do I mean? A constant awareness, a constant awareness that you haven't obeyed, a constant awareness that you missed the mark. Sin consciousness is exterminated from our minds, drastically changing our view of Father God and also of one another. It's hard to be loving and kind and graceful to others when yourself, you're full of punishment, full of fear, and full of sin consciousness? You see, Jesus dealt in the mere translation, verse 14. Let's, let's go back. Verse 14, mere translation. He thus disengaged the dominion of death that trapped the human race in a fallen mindset. You see, one's focus on not sinning creates sin consciousness. The more you focus on not sinning, the more conscious of sin you will become. The constant need to please God and gain his approval actually makes you more sin conscious. Your inner focus will move your whole being into either liberty or slavery. What you focus on, your inner focus will either move you into liberty or it will move you into slavery. I experienced this this morning. It was about five o'clock in the morning. I had gotten up early. I was putting the finishing touches on my preparation here. And uh, I needed some eye drops. My eyes felt a little dry and I was walking by the counter and there was a little bottle on the countertop of refresh eye drops. Now, follow me because I'm just going to bet you, I, I would actually bet you money if I had any in my pocket, I'd pull it out. I, I, I'm, I'm not a betting kind of guy, but I will bet you that you have been here and done this. So I took the bottle and I lifted my head back and I pulled down my 
my eye uh, lid here, and I dropped in a drop, and I kind of blinked a little bit, and then I opened the other eye, and I pulled down the eyelid, and I dropped in a drop there. And then I'm, I'm always conscious when I do that, and I put drops in my eyes, of what I've always been told, you need to roll your eye around, right? Close your eyes and roll your eye around. And you know what I did? And I caught myself. I said, what are you doing with your head? (laughs) Just roll your eyes. (laughs) What are you doing? You know what I'm talking about? Haven't you done that? You put eye drops in, and then we've all been told, roll your eye to the left, roll it to... Isn't that what you do? You roll your head like that's going to make the the fluid slosh around in your eyeball. And I thought to myself, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. When he talks about our fallen mindset that he came to set us free of. And he says, look, what you focus on internally will move your whole spiritual life. If you focus constantly on not being enough and not being pleasing to God and that there's something more you do or you haven't prayed enough, you, you haven't gone to church enough, you flipped somebody off on the highway recently when you were buzzing down the highway at 55 and somebody wanting to go 70 blew by you. Right? Yeah, you're laughing because you've all done it, right? We've all <laughs> I got my brother here to smile even. So yeah. And and so we process all of that all day long, just like I did when I blew it in the back with the sound equipment. I continued to process it, and all of a sudden, my self-talk is condemning me and telling me fearful things that enslave me and just ruin my day. It can be as simple as me just having a a bad day, I don't feel good, boy, I'm bummed, to making a decision with my car. Oh my goodness, I just turned right in front of that person who stepped out into the street to cross and they had the the right-of-way and I didn't even see right? Because this thing is going on in your mind. Now take that and multiply it, right, Jim? Take that and multiply it, and you can become, fear will disable you. Fear of punishment, sin consciousness will disable you. And then comes in disease, and then comes in, oh my goodness, all kinds of things that will happen. Perfection was never a goal of Christianity. Perfection is not a goal of the Bible that you read. Look, listen, Paul said it this way. He said, according to the law, I was blameless. Before I knew Christ, according to the law, I walked in such purity, I met every law, I did everything required in the old covenant. Man, I was blameless. Paul said it in Philippians. I was blameless, Philippians chapter 3, verse 6. And yet he said, I count it all as dung, poo, 
It's poo. Because Jesus did not come. He does not put his arms around you and love you. You're not going to heaven because of anything you've done righteous or good enough or because of the prayers you pray or how often you go to church. It's all because he came, gave his body so he could restore our innocence and redeem our fallen mindset. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, it says, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Dear ones, I say to you, forgiveness and reconciliation trump judgment. Romans chapter 8, I'll read you verses 1 through 3. Now the decisive conclusion is this. In Christ, every bit of condemning evidence against us is canceled. The law of the Spirit is the liberating force of life in Christ. This leaves me with no further obligation to the law of sin and death. Spirit has superseded the sin enslaved the senses. The sin enslaved by, or by, <clears throat> excuse me, enslaved senses, the enslaved senses as the principal law of our lives. The law failed to be anything more than an instructional manual. It had no power to deliver us from the strong influence of sin holding us hostage to our own bodies. God disguised himself in his son in this very domain where sin ruled us in the flesh. And the body that he lived and conquered in was no different than ours. The sin's authority in the human body was condemned. And so now, over and over and over again, the scripture talks about fear not, fear not. The word fear is mentioned over 500 times in the Bible. Someone said that the fear not is mentioned 365 times, once for each day. I don't know, haven't checked that out, but I do know this, that every time that command is mentioned, fear not, it's not the father threatening like, well, that's a sin, don't you fear. He treats it more like an injury. Here, let me take that from you and make it better. You know what, dear ones? You don't have to do faith perfectly. He did. You don't have to know scripture backwards and forwards. He does. You don't have to pray for hours with perfect patience and not falling asleep. He did. You don't have to come up with the uh, impressive oratory and poetic words and prayer that shake heaven and fight demons. Even Jesus didn't. <laughs> He said some of the simplest things, leave, go, get out of him. Not really long prayers. We should receive communion. This is a perfect place to receive communion. And all are welcome. You don't need to be a member of the church. All are welcome. 
All are included. Communion is going to be served here. Those of you in the live stream audience, get your bread, get your juice, and let's take communion together.